Hello, listeners. Good evening. Uh, this, this is Soaky Nostalgia, or at least we're going to try to make it Soaky Nostalgia. <laughs> don't make, don't yeah. make it weird. I have to. Uh, <laughs> as you can tell, this is episode part two of episode MTV. Episode part two? Yeah. <laughs> That's not a sentence. <laughs> no, it's not. Okay. <laughs> We're working on part two of our episode about MTV Unplugged. Yeah. Yeah. Just like last week, I had to record a, a new part. Last week, I had to record an ending because I split it into two. Because you guys couldn't shut up. I know. I know. We're sad. <laughs> we have nothing else better to do. No, apparently. <laughs> and this evening, obviously, we're recording an, an intro for it. This is a, this will come out tomorrow at hey. noon. So this is a Monday night. Yay! Yay! Kind of late at night. It's 11 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, thank you listeners for joining us tonight for Soaking Nostalgia. I am the Matt. I'm Kat. <laughs> and you're probably wondering, Kat, I haven't heard from her all season. Well, have y'all missed me? I missed you guys. I miss you all the time. We see each other every day. That doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, I asked her to join me to not just help me do this intro, but also to talk a little bit about her podcast, which is going to be coming up after we take a little bit of hiatus after our finale, which uh, is coming up soon. Finale. Uh, so before Kat does that, I'm going to do a little bit of business. Before Kat does that. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Oh yeah, do the business. Get Top, it over hey, with. Hey, look, MTV unplugged. You just unplugged right there. What? I don't know. The I'm fuck? Tr- I don't know. <laughs> anyway, if you'd like to reach us, we're at soakingnostalgia at gmail.com, deadpanstudio18 at gmail.com, as well as deadpan-studio.com. I'm sorry, that's our little puppy, Emma. She's got a tender spot. Sorry. She's sitting at the table with us. <laughs> that's her paws on the mic. I'm doing it. Dog paw ASMR. <laughs> Have you guys noticed my stupid ASMR jokes? Okay, so I'll stop. I'll stop. <laughs> anyway, deadpan-studio.com is the website. <laughs> You're keeping that in. Of course I am. Yeah. Yeah. Deadass. We're also on social media. We're on uh, Twitter and Facebook, both at the addresses of at Soaking Nostalgia and at the F- addresses. <laughs> yeah, at Deadpan Studio 18. All they have to do is search for those. They'll find us. They're usernames. Uh, yeah. They're not addresses. <laughs> They're username. Well, it'll be fine. The fuck dog? Oh. The addresses. The addresses on our Twitter are... Hey, look. I'm an old man, okay? You know, I, you're I'm not that old. La- I'm using the language not that, that I old. understand. I try to be with it and hip. Okay, you absolutely need to stop your sentence right now because it's <laughs> stupid. <laughs> oh, God. Show us this toilet headphones off my head. Anyways... <laughs> Anyway, uh, if you're listening to us, you're on one of the streaming services in which we are part of, which is iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, as well as Podbean, deadpanstudio.podbean.com. Yay! What? Woo! <laughs> I don't know what you want. What? I'm tired. Anyway, we're going to keep this short uh, so we can go ahead and get back into All the rest right, of the so episode. Long. But before we do that, Kat, you've got a podcast coming out. I sure do. Would you like to tell the audience about it? I guess so. <laughs> Go for it. Well, sorry, there's another dog coughing behind me. There's, yeah, we have, house, not? we have four dogs. Can you not? I guess he can't not. Yeah, he can't not. That's <laughs> what he does. Anyways. Um, la, la, la. Tongue tied. Anyways. Um, 
It's called The History Of. It has its very own Twitter. The handle is <laughs> the history of underscore 28. Um, ignore how long the account has been around. I had it as a shitpost um, <laughs> account. I used it maybe a, a month and then completely forgot about it and had to reset the password and everything. But I was like, hey, I got this. Might as well use it for my podcast. Yeah, instead of creating something new, which just takes more time. Yes, there's also an email address I can't remember right now. I'll tell you guys later. <laughs> it's, it's something with the name. That That's okay. They don't email us anyway. Yeah. I, you know, are you bitter? Are you bitter? You haven't heard the end of the last episode. Just wait. Or this episode. It's this episode. You oh, haven't heard Lord. the end of it yet. Maybe if we post our dogs on social media, people interact with us. Anyways... It's a history podcast about whatever the hell I want to talk about. <laughs> I will take suggestions. Um, I do have a few followers on the Twitter. Um, I'll be... Will you link my sh in your, your description? Of course. Hell yeah. Um, I'll put the... We're going to we're gonna be updating the website soon. Yes. Hopefully very soon because there's stuff on there that doesn't exist. <laughs> Well, that's what the hiatus for. As soon as we're done with the finale, we'll take a few Well, you, like, hiatus. put a podcast on there before we even, even like... It'll eventually happen, but we will take it down until Basically, it there's a name of a podcast on there that is not going to happen and will never happen and doesn't even have... <laughs> we didn't even pick subjects for it or, like, a topic or anything. It was one of the thousand names we were coming up with for a certain podcast. Yeah, and, and then you put just... it on the website and it's been there and it's not real. Then we have... What, two others? At least one other of mine that isn't even on there. False advertising, sir. Well, we'll make that happen before yours drops. Don't worry about it. Yeah, well, I hope so, Lord. This is going to be confusing. It'll be on there, but also no information. It's like, oh, what's this? Anyways, um, yeah. Our first episode, I don't want to spoil it, but it, it does do with the subject surrounding the coronavirus. Oh. Um, Still a hot button topic. Well, yeah, it's still. I mean, it'll still be. It'll still be talked about for generations to come. But I digress. Um, the subjects of my podcast were originally going to be food and beverages. I just thought, you know, something fun. Everybody's got to eat. Everybody's got to drink. Everybody has their favorite things they like to consume. Um, and I picked a few things that either I like to eat or drink, or I just am fascinated by the history of. Um, I respect the craft. And I'm still going to talk about a few of those for sure, but it's it's a little bit... Well, you know, we'll see what happens. That's right. It's not gonna be, it's not going to be near as long-winded as uh, we other people like to make our no. podcast to be. I would, um, in the future, like to have guests. Um, even after this is over, we can still, you know, Skype people in. Just, you know... Even if the virus wasn't happening, sometimes distance keeps people away. So it's like, hey, we got Skype and our Discord server and well, that's all we have. But yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you are actually someone who is like an expert in some sort of cool food or drink, wine, ice cream, coffee, I would absolutely love for you to contact me so we could link up. And I'd love to talk about people who are actually like really really passionate about certain things and like really educated on it like purposely went to a school or studied under someone or did more than just google search 
the history of this subject. That's right. But, you know, not that that's not a form of valid research, you know. But um, I'm thinking one of the subjects might be ice cream. I and hope something because so, it's delicious. Yeah. Well, I, ha- I had an idea, and I'm not gonna spoil it, but it was inspired by a YouTube video that I saw. That if I do the subject, or if I do the subject in the way I'm thinking, with your help, sir. I'll be glad to. I won't be on mic, but I'll be glad to help in any Well, no, way you might possible. be on mic, but. Well, whenever you would like for me to. I'm just saying, listeners, that you won't have to hear me on every single show possible. So, <laughs> God, thank God. <laughs> you're telling me, Lord. <laughs> but no, this is this is all cats, and I will well, be there. Just, in you're any the ca- easiest guest I have access yeah, to right I now. Be, I will be there in any capacity she would like for me. But this is her. But thing. I was very I'm inspired. Very happy and well, proud of her. I was very inspired by this YouTube video I saw, and if I do do the subject in the way I'm thinking, I will definitely, you know, as always, be linking everything gotta put those links in there gotta credit people that's right but yeah i've recorded the first episode um don't roast me too much on it (laughs) i think it's a good subject but i'm delivering it It by myself you know for the first time it's not like and i was there when she did and she did amazing don't let her shortchange herself if it seems like at certain points i'm talking to somebody it's usually it's because i'm looking at him (laughs) (laughs) i'm still there yeah Anyway, that's something really good and awesome to look forward to. I know I'm excited to not just tell. Have y'all her. missed me and my sass? Mm. <laughs> I think we've kind of needed it. No, no, I'll tell you why. Why? Because as you'll hear in the most recent episodes, as well as tonight's episode. I think all episode, four of you needed me to whip episode. you into shape. Getting too crazy. I, I do like the banter between Sir Bradley and Mr. Alan Hogan. So that's been. Uh, <laughs> Taking all my bands, man. But it's been fun. Anyway. That let's just get right into it. We're going to get into the subject. This is MTV Unplugged Part Two. Cat, thank you so much for uh, helping me with this intro and telling Hell us yeah. a little bit about your podcast. Look for it. I'm going to go watch of- Avatar: The Last Airbender, the TV series, the movies. Trash. That's my final opinion. Goodbye. <laughs> and with that, y'all enjoy the episode. Woo. Well, listeners, I'm sure you're going to wonder what in the world just happened there. Uh, because the, the editing is probably going to have to be a little funny, but uh, we just had some people cut out, and we just had to go right back into it. And we just went, what was the last thing we were talking about? Oh, yeah, Brian Adams and panty dropping. So, <laughs> yeah. Yay, Rona, recording from home. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. Yay, what, Samsung? Is that what it is? He said yay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> It kind of makes you an asshole, sir. <laughs> now we're going to have to put a disclaimer on it. Yep. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> wow. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Anyway, I'm trying not to sound sexist, but yeah, he kind of was a panty dropper. Uh, uh, he, he, he managed to throw in sexist and homophobic at the same time. Good job. <laughs> well, I... I, I <laughs> Moving on up. Well, you know, look, can you really blame Brian Adams for for playing music like that? Because not that he was a looker, not that I'm a looker or anything, but have you seen him? Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, he he had to do something. I haven't in a very long time, but I'm sure he looks the same. Yep. He's Canadian, right? I can't imagine he's aged today. Yeah. 
I take that back. He does not look the same. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I don't know if you guys heard me, but he actually sang a song. I I want to be in your underwear. So he did. Yeah. Oh. Well, I mean, but but let's be honest. Summer of '69 was not about the summer of 1960. Well, see, I <laughs> thought I thought when he uh, you know came out with that. The, he got his first one, real six string. <laughs> he came out with an album about the same time that he was on the soundtrack for Jack, that Robin Williams movie. Um, movie. Yeah. I thought that the song, uh, Everything That Looks Good On Me Is You, I thought that was just an ode to Ed Gein. Oh, 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 oh wow. Wow, man. It's Ed Gein. That, that's way to pull out that reference. That's amazing. You're welcome. That inspired Alfred Hitchcock. Psycho. It inspired a lot of stuff. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> anyway, uh, continue, Sir Bradley. <laughs> oh, I just said, what was your third? Uh, that was my oh, fun? God, I forgot he had three. Yeah, do you not? Surely to God, all three of you know what the hell it is. But, well, I... <laughs> 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 Paul Funny guy. Oh, wait a minute. They couldn't do that because uh, Lennon was not around. Ouch, dude. That 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 hurt me deeply. <laughs> you, cut, you cut me deep, Trek. Cuts like a knife, doesn't it? I'll tell you what really sucks, though. When Mick Jagger dies in 10 years, nobody's going to be talking about it. Nope. John died in 1980. We're still talking Ow. <laughs> Ow. sir. Now, do you know why nobody will be talking about, about that? It's because Keith Richards will still be kicking around. <laughs> He'll still be a meme. Now, no, it's I what I just, Keith Richards going to die. Never. Sounds like an asshole. I'm not, uh, that was not really a dig at them. Uh, God rest his soul, John Lennon. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, clearly, um, my third one is, is, is going to be Oasis. Um, however, <gasps> I will make a... I love Oasis, but what really sucks is in 10 years, they're still going to be looking back in anger. <laughs> uh, Liam will, because he'll be pissed off that <laughs> insult his brother and expect the band to get back together, but... Uh, yeah. When your own brother stands in the audience and say, you suck. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, okay. We, yeah. He should have put on a Catalina wine mixer. <laughs> Catalina wine mixer, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, we'll have uh, a, a little note here. Um, and it's, it's not that I, I know this. For certain, but but I, I want to say that I've heard this on a, a couple different occasions um, that Tom Petty was going to have an unplugged uh, at some point, but things just kind of soured. But with with him and MTV over over something, uh, so had Tom Petty, you know, had one, obviously it, it would have been Oasis and Tom Petty. But well, that's because he uh, wanted a last dance with Mary Jane, and MTV cut in. Uh, okay, uh, there, yeah. there you go. So. So oh, let's, let's, dad jokes. let's I know. <laughs> I'm old. Just saying, let's let's just be honest. If uh, we're talking about MTV at the time, 
they were definitely crude. They definitely played it safe. Um, yep. And Last Dance with Mary Jane was probably one of the best Tom Petty songs and one of the best videos that he put out short of, uh, oh, what is the name of the song? The one he did with the Alice in Wonderland. Oh, Don't Come Around Here No More, which was not more. an actual yep. Tom Petty oh. song. Uh, I did not know that. that. That's a different show. Yes. That is, yeah, I can get into that. Uh, Tom Petty is a co-writer on that song. Yes. Uh, along with Stevie a, Nicks. Yeah, along with Stevie Nicks, that's right. Yeah, and, he was a great addition for While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Mm. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> nice Beatles reference. Hey, yes. But nice certainly well, just pointing out, you know, he, he did one there, but I don't think he ever did a Stones. I, uh, Sir Bradley, I would like to get into a conversation with you later um, about that if, if you have time. Um, I'm sorry, on what? Uh, on don't come around here no more. Uh, the song "Don't Come Around Here No More" in the video. Oh, oh, I, yeah, I could probably talk about an hour on. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I'm saying because because honestly, um, that video is really what turned me on to Tom Petty. Um, I, I will say this, uh, the, the, uh, the, rec- the live recorded studio or the recorded studio, uh, version of that song, uh, does no justice to the live versions. Um, um, so I, I just put that out there. I, I can a hundred percent believe that. But again, uh, like I said, another show, another time, but go ahead with the Oasis stuff. I'm sorry. <laughs> exactly. So Oasis uh, performed uh, August 23rd of 1996 at the Royal Festival Hall in London. This was one that was never actually released, and um, damn, uh, it would have been a, a really good one to to have been, because uh, uh, you know Oasis isn't exactly the, the biggest here, but during the time that this uh, was performed and recorded, uh, it was at the height of uh, Oasis here in America as as well as worldwide, but uh, Oasis is absolutely huge pretty much everywhere except america for whatever reason um because of but, British. um it may be because maybe liam and a little bit no you know maybe they could rub people the wrong way maybe but uh, maybe that's why i don't really know but um this one has a very unique uh situation so liam gallagher the the main front man of the band uh, claims that he has a sore throat. Um, his brother kind of thinks that's bullshit, um, and yeah, I kind of think so too. Or, or maybe he didn't think he could perform the way he, you know, had a high, you know, had a high standard for himself or whatever. But he didn't perform. However, he did uh, sit in the balcony above the rest of the band, and he chuckled slurs and um, <laughs> and booed the band the entire time he was they played while, while he was drinking and smoking so yes. don't really uh, know I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't be doing let, that if I had a sore throat but you know that's just me it, yeah let's just let's just throw it out there if uh, I, I was saying that I had a sore throat I don't think I would be sitting out in a crowd drinking and smoking and telling my brother he sucks I'm just saying yeah 
Um, you know, I wouldn't, but uh, you know, he Liam is definitely his own his own person. He's 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 something else. Um, I mean, I'm still <laughs> one, one of the things that I really liked about Oasis. Uh, one of the things I really liked about Oasis is uh, they definitely didn't care about, or at least in my image, I don't really think they cared about what the public thought about them. They were putting out music, put out music, and I respect that. Uh, that I think that is largely to, uh, to Noel Gallagher, really, and that's my humble opinion about it. But, but I think this particular performance really put uh, put the world on notice that uh, uh, Oasis could be carried uh, by Noel Gallagher. You know, they he. He did have a different sound uh, than his brother did, you know, where Liam had more of a raspy rocker kind of a sound, and, and Noel had more of just the clear and, and pretty uh, sounding voice. So it, it definitely could have gone on without Liam. Yeah, because he uh, because uh, Noel said, uh, well, you know, it's actually kind of nice to be to have the actual songwriter sing the songs for once. Uh, yeah, uh, and but uh, hearing this, I actually I remember back in the day, you know, when I was a junior, senior in high school, and I heard I heard this, and I'm like, oh, wow, um, I think I like Wonderwall better this way, and it was you know it was Noel Gallagher singing. Um, I I think that just really put on put the world notice, like, hey, you know, I you know he could do this, he could do this, and and still to this day. Um, Noel is my preference, um, you know, if I have to hear either of them sing, but, uh, it's not a knock on Liam at all because I, I enjoy listening to him sing as well. But, but I think this kind of was like, uh, I think this kind of let Liam know, um, and, and maybe even kind of the start of, of that really, that so the extra, you know, that the icing on, on top, you know, for the civil rivalry that these guys had but yeah but it let me just like say all the time after this so yeah let me just say that uh wonder wall was probably my first turn on to oasis and what got me really into the band and i do uh i, uh, I do really dig them as a band yeah it turned it turned a lot of people on to green day too <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I was I was I was a much bigger Green Day fan at the time than I was Oasis, but yeah, uh, I really I really did enjoy like I really did enjoy Oasis and and uh, a lot of their music that got put out after after discovering Wonderwall, I went back and looked at their musical library and did some research, and I really do enjoy the band. They yeah, they were amazing. Talented. They really are. Um. Um, I'm not going to get into how I I got introduced to them because I will talk for three hours. Um, <laughs> but I've mentioned it, you know, on occasion. <laughs> yeah, once or twice. <laughs> uh, what? Yeah, yeah, but um, we'll say this really quickly. The venue actually changed it to the kind of uh, last-minute kind of thing, which uh, kind of rubbed some people the wrong way. Um. The way I understood it, it kind of gave uh, a lot of. 
it made it more difficult for the you know average fan, you know the average Joe to come and see him, and uh, you saw a lot more, um, you know, executive type people that that were in the audience. The way I understand it, and I could be wrong on that, but that's how I read it. And and that really um, that really rubs me the wrong way too, because let's be honest. The executives give you the deal, but you are talented, and your first thought should be the music and the people you're trying to please, help, and do whatever. Um, that 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 eats at me a little bit. Um, I could definitely understand why that would rub some people the wrong way. Definitely. Um, but to but to counter that just a little bit, um, you know, there were they had a little bit of audiences. You know, the audience, you know, kind of talked to Noel a little bit, and indicated you know what what key certain songs were in. You know, for those that wanted to you know play play it themselves, um, and also he he had no intention of playing a particular song called Talk Tonight, uh, but uh, a member of the audience asked. And so he played it. He added it to the list right on the spot. So very cool. And yeah. just a little, a little note on Liam. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he actually has the most recent version of MTV Unplugged, uh, and that was August of last year. Yes. Yeah, he is. So. He was uh, one of the more recent ones of the original way they were doing Unplugged. Yes. So yeah, I've seen that too. It was, it's a great performance. So yeah. we'll have to check that out. Yeah. And yeah. if I'm not mistaken, he does Wonderwall on it. Uh, he does. So uh, let's see. Do you have anything else to uh, say about uh, any of your three there, uh, Sir Bradley? No, not really. Uh, not unless I want to sit and talk for another three hours. So <laughs> I get that. Um, <clears throat> I'll run through mine. Um, I, I chose both kiss and, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, page and plant and kiss. Um, there's a f- number of reasons why I chose them. First, I chose kiss because, well, that was the first vinyl I'd ever bought was kiss unplugged. Um, can, can I just interject really quick, Matt? Yeah. I grew up with you. We grew up in the same town about two miles apart. Yeah. We went to the same schools. Yep. Uh, for as, as long as I've ever known you, Kiss has been like the biggest band for you ever. Yes. You were, you were the biggest Kiss fan that I knew. <laughs> you got me, you got me into listening to Kiss and not just the <clears throat> stuff that was played, but stuff that was actually on other albums that nobody knew about. Yep, and we have and, both and, been to see them play. And we've both been to see them play, and we've both been to the same concert to see them play. Yes. So. <laughs> Man, it was good. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was Aerosmith and Kiss, so be jealous. Well, that that's uh, okay. Yep. <laughs> yeah, One opened. That was with uh, that was when uh, Aerosmith came out with their Honkin' on Bobo uh, album. Yeah. So sh- how Kiss and uh, Aerosmith shared the stage is actually did share the stage on one half, the front or the you know whichever way you want to view it. One side was 
uh, Aerosmith and their blue setup, and then it would rotate. It rotated around, and then it was the Kiss setup. Yep. Um, so if you want to talk about opening, I, I would have to say Aerosmith opened for Kiss because there's really no other way around saying that Kiss opened for Aerosmith. Nope, that would never happen. <laughs> uh, now, the reason why I chose Page and Plant and Kiss was that both bands were, at that point, I say bands, Page and Plant weren't really a band, but both artists were in such dire need of new direction and a new audience to bring them into the next phase of their, phase of their careers. Cause you know, uh, both page and plant, they hadn't really been around, I've been together as Led Zeppelin since the early eighties. So, you know, you're looking at, you know, almost two decades of not, you know, working together and, you know, the audience really hungry to hear something from them or at least trying to get that audience hungry for them. And then you've got kiss who, their popularity waned in the late eighties and early nineties. You know, they started out strong when they took their makeup off with lick it up. And then they kind of fizzled out, uh, right when revenge was coming out and then it went to carnival of souls. Well, kiss is actually a very good choice for unplugged. Yes. Um, I growing up, well, I mean, when I was little, of course you, you, you heard, uh, you know, Love Gun and all, mm-hmm. all of the really popular Kiss number ones, I guess yeah. it was. I don't know. Um, I wasn't a huge, huge fan until I seen, and this is usually how it works with me. Uh, I didn't really get into Oasis until I saw the Butterfly Effect because it had um, Stop Crying Your Heart Out at the end. Oh. But th- there was a movie called Detroit Rock City. <laughs> which did not do as so good at the box office, but it should have, because it's a very funny movie. But it's all centered around these kids. Edward Furlong uh, is the main one. Yeah. Uh, Amazing. Going to see Kiss, and they go through hell just to get there. Oh, yeah. To try uh, to get tickets and then go, to finally go see Kiss, yeah. Well, in the credits at the end of the movie, there's a song that plays... Nothing can keep me from you, and uh, that is when I really started to like Kiss. And I, I remember yelling at my dad. I was like, I mean, I was young. Well, when that movie came out, I was eight. So you do the math. Um, I guess I was I was around my teenage years when I saw that movie, and I remember yelling at dad to come into my room to listen to this song. And he's like, uh, Yeah, what about it? <laughs> I was like, that's that's Kiss, which it was it was weird to me to hear them so soft. Yeah, and he goes, "Oh, C- Kiss has some amazing ballads. What are you talking about? Their, their best music is their ballads. So, so it, it's it's really cool that they did an unplugged because they're perfect for it. Yeah, with all the so vast two, amount of two things ballads about, Yeah, so two things about Kiss, and we're talking about ballads. So one, uh. God gave rock and roll to you, which mm-hmm. I don't think was Bill and Ted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Bill and Ted, and then uh, Beth. Beth mm-hmm. may be my favorite Romals. song that they ever. It was it was in role models, yeah, yeah. but yeah. Uh, a version but, of yeah. Love Gun was too. Yep. Uh. This, this whole thing, you know, Page and Plant and Kiss playing Unplugged, 
I really thought that it allowed this, these two seasoned performing acts stripped down to do what they can do best. I mean, you can almost see a sense of desperation on their faces. Like they were, it's like they were first starting out again and wanting to make it big. A perfect example is, you know, part of the way through Kiss Unplugged, Paul Stanley forgets what song was on what album, <laughs> you know, and uh, they really looked nervous when uh, they brought out Peter, Chris and Ace Fraley. Uh, now, this marked the only time the original lineup had performed publicly with their, without their trademark makeup and the first time that the original lineup had been together since 1980. Now this was in 1996. So you're looking at 16 years difference, almost two decades, but it was also the only time Fraley, Chris, uh, had shared the stage with Eric Singer and Bruce Kulick. Now that served a couple of purposes. One, because it brought every bit of kiss together. And that was great. Tommy Thayer didn't come around till, uh, you know, until the early two, early to mid two thousands. Um, but they were really worried about how each of, you know, Peter Chris and Ace Fraley would be able to play. Their playability was not the best. And if you really slow down and watch their performance, you can see, especially Peter Chris, you can see Peter Chris struggling to keep up with the drumming. Um, which is no, why nobody, nobody wants to be Peter Chris, not even Peter Chris. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but because of that unplugged, it renewed a phenomenal interest in the popularity of Kiss, and it's you know kind of carried them through today, which they are finally in 2000, well 2019 2020, they were in the midst of their final tour. Um, it was actually the first album in which I learned every single lyric from beginning to end. It showed that they were human, relatable. Impressive. Yeah. Yeah. And it renewed a reason for me to fall back in love with Kiss. Uh, it completely redefined a generation of rock. And I tell you what, the fact that uh, they took a song like Plaster Caster and turned it into almost a ballad. Amazing. Now, for those that don't know what that song is about, the lyrics is about this uh, lady back in the late 70s, mid to late 70s, who would make plaster molds of different musicians junk by the way yep yeah that plaster uh, caster that's... <laughs> <laughs> that's what that whole song's about so oh that's such a nice song it's about making a cement concrete mold of a penis okay just yeah, so you know. it's uh, and it's, that's, it's and that's kiss really. for you <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that is 110% kiss yeah. if there was anything that they could take and turn it sexual they did. Yeah. And it's fun. It's ironic because I'm right now I'm reading a book about the world's most famous groupie, Pamela DeBar, and she devotes a whole section. Oh, well, different sections about, you know, the lady who did the plaster <laughs> caster. So <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Dude. Pamela DeBar. I'm um, with the band. Check it out, people. Um, um if we're talking, I, I would just like to say something about the page and plant stuff. Yeah. That's um, where I was going next. Talking. So go right ahead. Somebody uh, like, Take mention of what band those guys are from, because I don't think that just <laughs> might not know I, who they're from. I will I will take this lead because it goes into what I was talking about and mm -hmm. and the little tidbit information I wanted to pass on. Uh, Robert Page and Jimmy Plant are from the Jimmy band. Page, Led Jimmy Page and Robert Plant. I do that all the time. I get names backwards. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jimmy Page. Yeah, Jimmy Page, Robert Plant from Led Zeppelin. 
So, Led Zeppelin IV, the album Led Zeppelin IV, and if anybody is not familiar with this uh, album, it is the album that has the song Black Dog, Rock and Roll, and Stairway to Heaven on it. Okay, so quite possibly one of the biggest albums they ever put out. It definitely produced some of the most singles they ever put out. But the the album uh, Led Zeppelin IV, they had caught so much flack for being Led Zeppelin that the British media had put out that the only reason that they were popular and the only reason they were selling albums is because the name Led Zeppelin was on their album covers. So Led Zeppelin 4, they put no name or anything on the album cover. It's literally a uh, very old artistic way uh, of a guy carrying a bunch of sticks on his back. That's the only album uh, that's the only album cover uh, that there is. There's no name. There's no title. <laughs> it is literally just a picture. Yeah. And they did that because they caught so much flack for saying, oh, people only buy your albums because the name Led Zeppelin is on. Yeah, which kind of leads into this uh, because, you know, they – really hadn't done anything together, uh, you know, page or plant since 1980. Um, now eventually from this, they did a tour in 95 in a studio album called walking into Clarksdale called page and plant back in 98. But this, you know, whole thing, um, it was a long, uh, long way to reunion, but they couldn't call it Led Zeppelin because they did not invite John Paul Jones. They didn't want. They did not want this to be a Led Zeppelin project so much so that they called this MTV Unplugged session unleaded, and uh, it was actually recorded in three different places: Morocco, Wales, and London. So you'll get as they're performing through before they released it uh, to the masses on TV, you will actually see them in three different settings performing music. Uh, now, they did rework some of the Led Zeppelin classics, but they were trying to get away from the old Led Zeppelin sound so they could do their own thing, and it featured more of a Moroccan string band and an Egyptian orchestra. Um, and I would just like to go on to say that uh, Robert Plant has produced some of the finest single albums I've heard in a long yeah. time uh, later in his career. Well, yeah. Uh, they just didn't want to be, you know, pigeonholed. You know, they wanted to, like, this was a, they were taking a chance with this because most of the music that they played in these performances had a lot of a Middle Eastern flair. And it was definitely permeated their classic song, Cashmere. And they really brought that out in that, which Cashmere is my all, honestly, my all time favorite Led Zeppelin song, by the way. It's probably, I'll be honest, it's probably my second. But yeah, it's right up there, dude. Yeah. Um, I thought it showed that they weren't complacent uh, with what they did before. They just wanted to try something new. Um, and honestly, I chose this because it was one of the first times I was able to see some of my rock heroes perform together when there was zero chance or indication of them ever performing together live again. So, you know, it just, 
it was great and it led to some really great music and reunions uh, later on down the road uh but that's why i chose those it it really did they uh they killed it dude it was yeah. i mean uh before we bring this uh episode down to a close i do have some have some trivia that i thought was interesting and some were even uh, funny hey matt yeah we you realize your host that hasn't even spoken about stuff. Really? Yeah, I was going to say you realize we haven't talked about Alan yet. Yeah, we're almost we're almost two hours in. We haven't talked about Alan. So, uh, my caffeine has run out. Really. So that's I'm, I'm forgetting <laughs> no, things. <laughs> it's it, it's cool, but Sir Bradley's coming earlier um, off mic of do we have enough content to talk about for an hour? I think that has been uh, well put to bed. Yep. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I apologize. Alan, I am so sorry, man. I need more caffeine. <laughs> Normally, like with stuff like this, I mark off who has said, you know, and who has spoken about theirs, but I didn't do that tonight. I don't even have a notebook around me. So, <laughs> that's what um, I and, and, I'll, and I'll be honest, uh, listeners, uh, I gave up the unplugged that I wanted to talk about to Alan. Uh, because it was more in his time frame, uh, more than it was mine. So, uh, Alan, would you be, uh, happy to do the honors with that? Okay. Yeah. I'm going to make mine as quick as I can. Sorry. Did you just wake up? Huh? <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> Alan, no, yours is not going to be quick either. Uh, Matt, you may just have to edit this down or release it. Well, as a yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to try my best to keep it quick. Um, yeah, but I don't think because I'm going to have to jump off. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and do my secondary first. Go for it. Because it's the first one that's going to be more in depth. Uh, the second one that I picked was Paul McCartney, uh, the that's official bootleg. Yeah, uh, he, uh, like you mentioned earlier, he was the first, not the first to do an unplugged show for him, for for those guys, but he was the first to release an actual unplugged album. Um, yeah. It was recorded uh, one day removed from a month before I was born. It was rec- uh, recorded on January 25th, 1991. Um, he did not... Um, amplify his his instruments which was different from uh the other artists who appeared before him he, he was genuinely unplugged they put the mics up to the instruments and that's how you heard them um which i thought was a really cool tidbit so that's why i picked him as my second genius uh, alan, yeah he, alan can i ask you a, can i ask you a quick question yep um, I haven't watched the show. I plan on going back and watching it. But mm-hmm. did that do a lot of Beatles stuff, or did he do a lot of like Wings and he, his own stuff? He did. Uh, if I remember correctly, he actually messed up on one of the Beatles songs because it. I guess it had been a while since he heard before. I think it was. I've just seen a face. Uh, oh, where he and they didn't cut it. He uh, he messed up on the beginning lyrics and then went and acknowledged to screw up so he did it again um which by the way i never knew that that was the title of that song um i've just seen a face right uh 
I always, um, wow, I just lost my train of thought. I just seen if you always thought it was. Oh yeah, I always thought it was called Fallen, because that's the chorus. Fallen, yes, I am fallen. But anyway, um, so yeah, his his was really good. I mean, it, it was it was cool to see it's a Beatle one doing an an unplugged, and I know that uh, the the critics loved it. I'm sure the fans did too. If I mean, if you're you're not watching it unless you're a Beatles fan, I guess. Um, but the, they just thought how how cool it was um, to see him so stripped down like that, and, and he, he didn't dress up for it. He was wearing a t-shirt. Um, so yeah, Paul McCartney. That was my secondary. And the first one, I guess it's appropriate that I'm going last because it's the most well known. Um, Tiny was gracious enough to let me have it. Uh, it was Nirvana. Is definitely, definitely probably the best selling unplugged album. I haven't done research on this. Somebody please correct me, but yeah, well, I mean, Emails. it was the best, the best <laughs> selling um, Nirvana album. So, if that's the case, it's got to be the best selling unplugged album. <laughs> it would have to be, I would imagine. Well, yeah, any, any album being out, never mind, is probably going to be up there. Yeah, I mean, and it was released a few months after Kurt passed away. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, they, they only, I'm going to do the bullet points. They they only rehearsed for two days. Um, Kurt was extremely nervous about doing it. It took them a while. They were asked uh, a lot uh, to do it, and finally they agreed. Uh, and according to Dave Grohl, one of the reasons why they didn't want to do it was because they had seen Unplugged and they didn't like it. Yeah, um, they didn't like um, how these bands were treating it like they were playing Madison Square Garden, but they had acoustic instruments. So they wasn't sure, and MTV was the same way. They wasn't sure how they would fit into the acoustic setting, but they knew that they wanted them because they're fucking Nirvana. Yeah. So, uh, Atlin, um, if I could make a point on that just real quick. Um, I can, when I watch that, and I've watched it several times, and I've listened to the uh, CD, the, I I don't think that Kurt was 100% on point with his voice. I think he was... He was very nervous. He uh, was good. He, he was also... Well, he was good, and he borderline on great, but there were some songs that I just don't think he was, like, 100% on. Well, uh, that, he already knew that anyway, but uh, he had the mentality of, well, to sing this song, you know, this way where it's raw has more meaning behind it than if I sung it well. Oh, no, d- dude, that is one of the things that sells me on it, 110%. But if right. we're talking I mean, about it, like, if just talking about it, like, I don't I don't think he was 100% on point. And if he was nervous and, and worried, I... Yeah, he was extremely nervous. Um, he, he he kept he actually made sure that his fr- that the the friends of the band were in the front. Yeah, uh, and his reasoning for that was just so he could look down and see them and not be as nervous. Yeah, he almost... that was basically his security blanket. Yeah did you um, uh, did you see that he almost uh, kicked uh, Dave Grohl out for the performance? 
No, I, I didn't. I'm, I'm really not surprised by that, though. Uh, Dave had never really. If, if I have to. Well, if I if I have to to make a comparison, because uh, Dave Grohl is an amazing musician, he had Foo Fighters, which made a huge uh, deal. But I believe he got a lot of his stuff from Kurt Cobain because I'm pretty sure there was an album that the Foo Fighters put out that Dave Grohl basically went back and played every instrument on. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it, it was the very first album that Taylor was a part of, and Dave just completely re-recorded his drum tracks. <laughs> like, like I, I fully believe that Kurt Cobain was his inspiration for that. Yeah, I mean, uh, Dave, Dave got a lot of flack when he when he uh, started up the Foo Fighters, um, but actually, Kurt Cobain was his biggest supporter. He he would take songs to Kurt that was not meant to be for Nirvana because it was his own little project he was working on but he wanted Kurt's opinion on them uh, and Kurt according to Dave was all for it it wasn't like a rivalry thing going on yeah um, but anyway uh, that not only was the fan, the friends in the front his security blanket but also he was so used to playing a guitar with an amplifier with this Fender amp that he did not want to do it 100% acoustic in contrast to Paul McCartney, um, who did do it. Uh, so what they did was they built a fake box uh, in front of the amp to disguise it as a monitor wedge. Um, he, he wanted the effects of the Fender amp. And actually, you can hear that on uh, when they did a cover of The Man Who Sold the World. Uh, it's an acoustic guitar, but it's coming through an amplifier. One of my favorites, um, they filmed uh, it, not every artist that appeared on Unplugged did their performance in a single take, but Nirvana did. Yeah, all fourteen songs on that set list were uh, straight through, like a like a concert would be. Uh, so they, I was, I was they not aware of that. But damn! <laughs> yeah, there was no there was no retakes. It was we're doing the song and we're doing it one time. Um, he actually had uh, a little spat with MTV over multiple things, uh, but one of them, and the biggest one, was they wanted him to play the hits. And yeah, he really uh, there didn't want to. Little, there is a neat little half hour documentary about this. You can find it on YouTube. Um, just type in Nirvana Unplugged documentary, um, where uh, they were they were talking about how you know they wanted stuff like Smells Like Teen Spirit. Now they played a few of the hits, uh, but they didn't keep it that way. They did some covers. Uh, the biggest one, the most notable of all of them, was a song from Lead Belly, which is a traditional song. Where did you sleep last night? Um, it, it, they, that is how they ended the show. Um, and Kurt actually went on to describe it as his favorite, uh, uh lead belly. He, he, he referred to him as his, or the band's favorite performer. And I think he was joking. <laughs> uh, it, it was very hard to tell because he said, it's my favorite performer. And then he turns around and looks at the band. It's very Macaulay Culkin. 
older than my Billy Culkin. Uh, I, I, I think it's safe to say it's all of ours, right, guys? You know, and it, talking about a little trivia of somebody tried to get Kurt to buy Lead Belly's guitar for X amount of thousands of dollars. Um, but they wanted a, a MTV and the producers, they wanted an encore. They didn't want them to end on that. And Kurt flat out refused because he felt he could do no better than that performance. And he's right. I mean, that, that gasp, the sigh that he takes, the, the breath that he takes, especially toward the end of the song, that screech he let out, and the entire band just stopped. They just froze. Um, and side, uh, a cool little side note that I did not know until preparing for this, Bobcat Goldthwait was there. Yeah. I remember him talking uh, about that in an interview. Cobain wow. wanted to meet him because he was a big fan. They actually met on a college radio station. Uh, they were both being interviewed. They were both there to be interviewed. But Kurt knew that Bobcat was going to be there. So he had written down a bunch of questions on a paper bag and basically conducted an interview <laughs> of Bobcat Goldthwait. And <laughs> And Bobcat said it eventually just kind of digressed into them making fun of the Grateful Dead. Uh, and Kurt, Kurt, gave, Kurt, Kurt gave Bobcat a copy of the album Bleach. And Bobcat said he, he was talking to one of his buddies because uh, they were listening to it on the way to the airport. And he said, you know, rock really sucks because it's a hard business. Uh and he said, and these guys are pretty good. And the reason why he said rock sucks is they are really good, but we'll probably never hear from them again. Oh. And, and he said, and because of the way the business was. And he said, and then about three or four years later, maybe, he was opening for them while they played arenas. Um, and so, um, Bobcat actually talked about, um, during the show, the crowd was uh, uh, yelling, you know, like, Freebird! And in response to it, which is on there, Kurt did a little bit of Sweet Home Alabama. Just just a few notes, um, which is hilarious. Uh, because that's what, if you've ever been to a bar, especially in Kentucky, <laughs> while a band's on stage, somebody's yelling out, Freebird! Oh, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> Every, every day, spoke yeah. into the mic and said that bird went down years ago. Oh. Um, well, Bobcat Goldthwait actually said that Kurt was backstage, uh, and he's he wasn't sure if it was MTV or the management, but they were trying to get them to, to come back out and do more songs. And Bobcat actually remembered telling Kurt, "I don't think you're gonna top that. I think you're done." And Kurt had the same feeling, but after the fact, after the show, he he was he he openly expressed. He's like, I, I need to go upstairs and I need to call Courtney. And they were like, okay. And, he, and he's like, well, I, I'm really bummed. I feel like nobody liked it. It was really bad. And of course, everybody was telling him, you're out of your mind because people just saw their version of God playing three feet in front of them. <laughs> Like, that's how awesome that performance was. But Kurt yeah. couldn't see it. Kurt thought it was god-awful. Now, of course, at the time, he was going through a drug problem, which eventually led to his death. 
uh, unless you ask certain uh, conspiracy theorists and watch certain documentaries. <laughs> soaked, soaked in bleach. Oh, wow. It actually dropped tiny when he said that. Uh, uh-oh. It's happening. Uh, Courtney was listening actually, to you, Nick. They had been touring with a band oh. called uh, The Meat Puppets. Yeah. And uh, uh, Kurt and the other members of the band decided they wanted to do a few of their songs. So if you watch Unplugged, there's a couple of people who come up uh, and play with them. And yep. it is uh, Brothers okay. from the Meat Puppets. But MTV was even disagreeing with that. They were really pushing back against that. They didn't want them to mention the Meat Puppets because they figured nobody knew who they were. They wanted Kurt to say something like Eddie Vedder. Um, but let me just say that MTV sucked. They have yeah. always... They will continue to suck. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, COVID... I was talking about the drugs earlier. It was actually drug withdrawal. Uh, so drug withdrawal, and nervousness. Uh, they said he what? Kurt was not joking around. There was no smiles and no fun coming from him. So he goes to the direct to the uh, Beth McCarthy, who was um, putting together the unplugged, and she said he looks at me and he says, "My management told me I need to smile." More. So I'm smiling at the end of one of the songs. Can you please put that shot in? Now, this is after the fact, obviously. And she thought he was joking. It's like, sure, let's let's show the lighter side of Kurt Cobain. And wow. uh, Kurt said, yeah, c- could you do it? Like, just blunt. And she said, I was like, okay, sure, yeah, we'll do it. And so she, when she went back to uh, to get put it all together to edit it, at the end of About a Girl, he finishes the song and he does the this crazy smile, like it was like a like a Joker t- type thing. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, if you haven't, if you've never watched Unplugged, first of all, I don't know where the hell you've been. The the Nirvana episode. If you don't watch anything else, watch the very end of it. Um, nobody knew. In the audience, nobody at MTV knew, the band didn't know, that this would be the final album uh, for Nirvana. Wow. Because it was only, it was less than a year later, I think, that's right, the man was dead. Yeah. Uh, and, and hey, his, Alan? Yeah. Um, the, version, uh, the version he does of In the Pond. Where did you did, sleep last night? Where did you sleep last night? Yeah. Or where did you uh, sleep? Yeah. This what is the song. Well, that that is the song that I thought that his vocals really weren't on point. But it oh, was, dude. It, it, it was, was. If that's the one you're referring to, that was just raw. Yeah, that's that what I'm saying. Is, though it, that is music, right? That's rock. It, I don't care. I mean, I've heard people be so pitch perfect, but I didn't feel a damn thing that they're singing because I don't believe them. Well, and that's what I and that's basically what I was saying. Um, that is the song that I really thought that his vocals kind of uh, faltered on. However, knowing now that that's the last song that he did in an uncut, like 
14 song session like we're not cutting just do these songs and then he's still nervous and he's still doing it still gives me chills to hear the song like I cannot hear that song without without actually getting like chill bumps on my life and Kurt was that you know all the all the uh, the decoration on the set that was 100% Kurt Cobain uh, November eighth, nineteen ninety three. That's and it was filmed at the Sony Studios in New York. And they he suggested that the stage be decorated with stargazer lilies, black candles, and a crystal chandelier. And the show's producer literally asked him, "You mean like a funeral?" Because they thought it was you know, suit and tie guys pissed me off. But that's what they asked him. You mean like a funeral? And they said Kurt looked at him and said exactly like a funeral. I I really expect nothing or expected nothing from Kurt, but that performance, that song, that video, and that song affected me more probably than anything that I can say that we've talked about this evening. Yeah, I mean it's uh, and again it. it you you said Nirvana first, but graciously gave it to me because uh, that that's the I mean I've watched Unplugged uh, over the years, but that one is the most meaningful. Uh, not only because it was their last show, and it, you know it was it was I mean I'm sorry it was their last uh, album, and it was the the last big thing that Kurt Cobain done with with Dave Grohl and the rest of Nirvana. But that one song, the performance of that song, it's, that shit is haunting. Uh, whether he died that uh, later on, closely following that, or, or not, like that still would have went on to be one of the best things Nirvana ever done. Because they wasn't finished. Uh, it, it, it isn't like it was a uh, planned, at least I don't think it was, like a planned thing for him to to respond in that manner, you know, exactly like a funeral. Yeah. Um, Johnny Cash said something similar when he was, uh, when the studio executive said, what's with all the black? You look like you're going to a funeral. He said, maybe I am. You know, that's, you can't, you can't, conspiracy theorists will go, will go apeshit with that stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just a very artistic, um, he deserved to be where he was, uh, and he uh, his his pre his death and the way that it happened probably turned him into some type of a emo martyr. Um, but uh, if it, uh, even if that hadn't have happened, Kurt Cobain it would still be one of the most respected people in music history. I agree, uh, Alan. There's a reason that I gave you. Um, Nirvana it's because I thought you would uh, give it the respect it deserves for well, that so. I tried and you did that I'm very very happy about that uh, okay. 
like I said, I mean, that was the short version. So you could imagine how, yeah. <laughs> how much but I'm oh. tired and I'm hungry and I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> All right. Wait, give me like three, give me just like three to five minutes and we'll just, we'll get this ep- uh, episode closed so you can at least sign off with us. Okay. All right. Um, so Hurry I, the fuck up. yeah, <laughs> well, that's been MTV's unplugged. So that means we go into our nostalgic item of the week. I'm sending it to the group right now. Do you guys remember these? I'm sure you do. Uh, I don't know. What are these? Wait. Hang on. Fuck yeah, man. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, dude. I smoked a pack of those a fucking day. For candy real. cigarettes. I my candy. Yeah. Candy cigarettes. If I see them, I buy them. No questions asked. <laughs> you can still find them in, in uh, different gas stations anywhere in candy stores. Um, they were introduced in the late 19th century. Uh, made out of chalky sugar, bubblegum, or chocolate, wrapped in paper and packaged and branded to uh, so as to resemble cigarettes. And some of them actually contain powdered sugar in the wrapper, allowing the user to blow into the cigarette and produce a cloud of sugar that imitates smoke. <laughs> yep. Yep. I'm, I'm just going to say, I, I eat those uh, like candy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Candy cigarettes. Does that get you right in the nostalgic feels? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. It is a direct hit on my nuts. Yeah. That's, and it would uh, really uh, bum me out when I would get one that wouldn't have the, um, the paint the on red, the cherry. Yeah. Yep. The red band on it. Yeah. Yep. All right. So. How much fucking good music we just talked about, but even more so how much good music we didn't talk about. Yes. Yep. There's a lot. There are, uh, if I can say, if I can just take like two minutes, maybe. Um, we talked about Unplugged. We did not talk about uh, Storytellers on VH1 and Meatloaf on VH1 Storytellers. One of the best things I've ever seen. Uh, very much like Unplugged, but they tell the stories about the music before they play it so yeah uh, um, we we could could do a whole show on unplugged versus storytellers but uh definitely go check that out too Uh, yeah you can get most performances on youtube um just type in vh1 storytellers or type in mtv unplugged and you're going to get a swath of them go to uh, go to wikipedia get a list of the different artists and you'll be able to see who you can look for and search for there too, for any of those that pique your interest outside of any that we've talked about and, or mentioned this evening. Meatloaf. <laughs> Not just a food. Uh, <laughs> all right. Yeah. I'm getting a little slap happy here. Uh, anyway, uh, I know Alan's got to get out of here. We've, we've gone over two hours, so let's do this. Um, once more, uh, if you'd like to get a hold of us, uh, we're on Facebook and Twitter at Soaking Nostalgia and Deadpan Studio 18. Uh, we've got us an email. We've got Soaking Nostalgia at gmail.com, Deadpan Studio 18 at gmail.com. We've got a website, Deadpan Studio.com. And we also stream at iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, as well as Podbean, which is Deadpan Studio.podbean.com. Check it out. Guys, thank you all for the work you did to, you know, even if it was just listening and, you know, reminiscing, but at least feeling what you were listening to. Um, 
So, I guess that's about it for tonight. Uh, Is that all? That's it. That's it. We're done. <laughs> We've talked forever, and we were worried we wouldn't have enough. I think we had quite a bit. Yeah, we were worried about making an hour. I'm pretty sure we're at two or plus. A little over two. So uh, I, I don't think we're going to get any better than that. I think we're done. Yep. All right. So for Deadpan Studio Podcast, this is Soaking Nostalgia. I am the Matt. So Bradley. Mick slash Tani for Alan. <laughs> Alan. <laughs> <laughs> and I would like to say thank you to the missus i call her the missus because i don't know if she really wants her name spoken on here yet so uh alan's uh significant other thank you to the missus alan thank you for chiming in at the most perfect time it was awesome thank you she, she liked it <laughs> listeners thank you email yeah. us email us now email us <laughs> catch y'all later bye all I'm a listener. I am too good to email everybody. Yeah.